This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to The Paddock in the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. The England men's and women's cricket teams are aiming to win back their respective ashes this summer. In today's episode, I was joined by a player who has just won the ashes, England's over-70s all-rounder, Nick Andrews. And to get both sides of the story, you will also be hearing from New South Wales bowler, Paul Cullen, who played in the three-match series Down Under. Hello, Nick. Thanks for joining me on the Paddock and the Pavilion. Pleasure. How are you? Oh, never better. (laughs) You should be feeling well. You've just just won the Ashes. Uh, What's it like to be on a winning Ashes team? Stephen, it's quite hard to sort of put into words, really, and uh, perhaps only be a little bit later when you reflect on it and and look back that you realise what a what a fantastic achievement it was and, and how proud I should have been of what, uh, not just me, but what we've all achieved down there. And um, best time ever, really. It was the best cricketing experience of my life. And uh, as you probably gather, I've been playing for about 60 years. So that uh, I guess that says something in itself. So was it the first time you've won the Ashes? I don't normally get to ask this question to people. Uh, yeah, I, I first played an Ashes game in 2012 for the over 60s and it was the the last game of the home series and I didn't really know anyone and so I was pitched into it and I did well had a really good game in that and it was I think the Ashes was already won then but I wasn't really invested in it I didn't sort of um couldn't relate quite the same as when you're on tour and you're with a, a, a group of guys who you become quite tight with and um kind of invest into the series and um it, it means so much more somehow than um that, that that first game did did it mean more because you lost the first match of the series um i guess it did that made it special because uh you know we, we had high hopes when we went out there that we'd do well and um 
the first game was was I think our fourth game of the of the trip, but which all were in searing temperatures, and we're not using that as an excuse. But we lost that first game and didn't play especially well, and 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 that was disappointing. And you know, we sat down afterwards and said, well, look, you know, we've got to win the last two, otherwise the tour is a bit of a a washout and a, and a disappointment. And we continued to play pretty well in the in the state games and uh, and the other matches, and. We really stepped up for the last two and won them, won them pretty convincingly. Really, we'll come on to those other all the matches later. But uh, you, you mentioned there that you've been playing cricket for, I think you said sixty years. But I just want to get a <laughs> yeah. bit about your background of cricket. I know some of it myself, but for the listeners, when did you start playing cricket? Probably about ten or eleven. Like like, like a lot of uh, guys at my age, around about that time, you'd Saturday afternoon. Your dad played. Um, didn't have anything else to do. I'd always turn up. I'd start scoring when I was about nine or ten, and then inevitably someone would drop out on the morning of the game, and I'd always got my boots in the car, and you'd get a game or two like that, and then next year you get one or two more games, and then you know when I was about twelve, thirteen, I was playing fairly regularly at uh, not a great standard, but you know men's second team cricket. So uh, that, that that's how it started, really. And where have you played your club and county cricket? Right, well, I, I started off played playing down in Buckinghamshire. I played for two clubs, Amersham and uh, and Amersham on the Hill. Uh, I then moved up to Peterborough when I got married in 1974 and joined Peterborough Town. I had 12, 12 good years with them, but uh, times move on and I had a young family and decided to, to up sticks and, and move to Market Deep in Cricket Club, which was um, about about eight miles from where we lived in Peterborough and a uh, very family orientated club and made me feel very welcome. And um, all of a sudden, 37 years has gone past with uh, since I started playing there and I've loved every minute of it, really. Well, some people would say, why are you still playing cricket <laughs> over 70? Good... <laughs> That's a really good question. I've just refused to stop. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, lot of people such as myself. I'm not, not the only one. Um, we just love the game so much and very, very lucky to have remained fit. I've not had any really bad injuries that have sort of prevented me to, from playing for long periods of time. Always enjoyed it. And with with the when I got to 50, I was eligible for county over 50s cricket and that went on to over 60s cricket. And I found I was quite suited to that. Um, I was never been a Sort of fantastic club player, quite a quite a steady, useful um, uh, club cricketer at, at best. But you know, quite handy. And as someone said to me the other day, "You haven't got any worse," which I'm not quite sure how to take that. But I, I think it was a bit of a compliment. And I guess I sort of sort of carried on and still able to compete and um, keep going. I, I've always said that once I start embarrassing myself, once I start feeling that I'm not contributing towards the team. And this is more salient for club cricket than age cricket because we're all sort of old duffers in it to, to some degree there. But for club cricket, I think it's important that um, you know I, I don't make a, a fool of myself. I don't want to be laughed at behind my back, and I know I'm not because all the young lads that I play with rip the um, rip the waz out of me. Some at rotten, which I think is a good thing because. Um, if they're doing it behind your back, they're not doing it to your face. And um, that's not quite what I wanted. So I've got a good relationship. I play with the, the young guys at the club. They seem to um, 
accept me and um, appreciate what I do. And I still chip in, still get one or two runs, still sort of bowl me overs fairly economically. And um, the hardest part is in the field. That is that is where I really sort of struggle and where, where a lot of people have, have said exactly the same thing, especially playing with younger players. And um, that's just one of the facts of life. But you try and do what you can, stop the ball and 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 just do your best. And uh, that's, that's what I've been doing and uh, that's what I continue to do, Stephen. How do you keep fit? Do you do yoga, Pilates? Do you run? Well, the gym? I had I don't know I had a sedentary job for 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 a number of years, and I think it must have been about twenty five, twenty eight years ago. I just pulled a muscle in my back, doing nothing at all, just kind of picking something off the floor. And I thought, well, that's not right. I shouldn't be able to do that. So I got over that, and I, I got a little bit interested in why why you get injuries and sort of what causes it. And so I decided to just try, try and not, not to join a gym or go running or anything like that, but just doing exercises, keep my core muscles sort of as, as good as they can and stretch a bit and just not, nothing sort of too, too profound or, 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 or too heavy, but just regular stuff just to keep myself ticking over. And I've always been a big believer that it's easier to stay relatively fit than it is to have sort of peaks and troughs of getting really unfit and then having to haul yourself up and get fit again. So even sort of during the winter or when I'm not playing cricket, I try and sort of tick over and uh, keep myself in, in reasonable sort of nick so that when when I start cricketing again um, in the spring, that, you know, muscles aren't screaming out at me and after the first net, you know, I don't want to be sort of not able to move for three days. And, and luckily that's, that's not happened. I've, I've been able to sort of, remains sort of fairly fairly mobile and um and flexible and obviously that's sort of helped my longevity playing the game it must have and, and uh senior cricket is really thriving is england have got an over 50s and over 60s and over 70s team we haven't got an over 80s team and my reliable source a good friend of yours and mine pat ringham says that we've got uh 22 over 70s teams i think this is county teams in, in the country very much so. It is a it is a thriving sport. You know, I'm I'm not alone. People um, keep playing and uh, they keep enjoying it. And the older you get, you, it's not just the playing. It's the camaraderie. It's sort of being in a dressing room. It's having a bit of a laugh, a bit of a crack. You can have a sort of bit of socialising afterwards. The guys you play against are people that probably we we've played with and against for twenty, thirty years, and so you've got a good relationship um, w- w- with them. And, you know, you just like to turn up and play. The, the minute you don't play, the minute you stop, you're not in the dressing room anymore. You can't, You just lose something. And people are desperate not to lose that that thing, which I can't really put my finger on. But it's it's just something that um, you know, drives us. Well, I pose the same question to Paul Cullen, our other guest. And this is what he had to say about playing cricket in his 70s. Well, I've always loved the game. I, I've still got my cap from the first um, when I was first picked for my school, and it's disintegrating now. It's lost the properties of a solid, actually, but um, I've still got that, and I've just had a love affair with the game for sixty-two years now, and I I couldn't imagine not playing it. To be quite honest with you, it's done wonders for me personally. You know, I've made such lifelong friends with it. And uh, the cricket fraternity, Stephen, is like no other. You know, cricket's the type of game where you can be competitive, but 
there's enough sedentary um, opportunity to sit and chat and to, to, to talk about life experiences, and it's just life enriching for me. Oh, that's what it's all about, cricket, isn't it? And what, what about yes. fitness levels for the over seventies? Uh, yes, well, I've I've never had an injury, to be quite honest. I've I've um I've been lucky that way, fit, and uh, I'm still pretty fit, and uh, I can still run around like a not like I was when I was eighteen, but I'm you know fit enough. Yeah, it's good. And is the seniors' game thriving in Australia? It is. It's the fastest growing sector of um, cricket in Australia, veterans cricket. And believe it or not, 75s is the big growth area. Over 75s. So you're still not in your prime yet, then, are you? No, no, I'm looking forward to 75s. And there's something we can aspire to. When did you first get selected for England? Uh... Well, I think I mentioned a little while ago, I was selected to play for the over 60s um, uh, 10, 11 years ago, which kind of not say kept me in the frame but uh, people were aware that I was still playing cricket and um obviously aware that when I got to 70 that I qualified for the um for the 70s and um I was invited to go for a trial uh one of several matches that were organized during 19 uh, 2021 um and there must have been about 30 or 40 players who were recommended by their by their counties and there were a number of games organized on a regional basis and uh, I had a game at um, a great Oakley near Corby uh, in September at the end of the year and uh, did quite well in that and um, then was invited for a, a, a game in middle of April last year down in Surrey against the um, the over 70s county championships for a kind of an England uh, 11 and uh, that was a bit of a disaster it was cold and uh, I don't think the uh, the captain knew that I batted I was batting at 10 and um, bowled in cold sort of weather anyway it was a bit of a disaster and I thought oh well I was rubbish so uh, I might not hear anything more about that and then um, I got a let, uh, email saying that I've been selected for a, uh, another trial game up in Stourport in Worcestershire and played in that and did quite well and then I got selected for the uh, the one international last year, a game against Wales that was played in the most scorching, it was the hottest day of the year, it was about 37 degrees, it was tortuous. And uh, luckily we steamrolled Wales and um, I didn't get a chance to bat, but bowled fairly tightly. And um, that that was the selection process. And, and, and following that game, um, they selected a, a squad of 17 players to to, to, um, to Australia last month and uh luckily uh i was uh, i was one of the 17 and um you know couldn't have been more pleased really and you play for cambridgeshire and huntingdonshire over 70s don't you that's right yes yeah um i had uh two seasons playing there now and uh, i have to say the first season didn't do very well at all and um uh, a little bit concerned that uh, i might not last the pace and, and and get my feet under the england table but uh did did quite well last year and um yeah lo- loving playing over 70s cricket now and the tour it was all all self-funded wasn't it the, the ecb don't pay for the england over 70s no we we don't come under the auspices of the ecb we've got our own um sort of 
governing body, if, if you like, and, and the ECB have not shown any, any interest in um, getting under over 60s or over 70s under under their banner. So, yes, any, any tours are um, very much self-funded. We did raise some sponsorship money before the tour. So we, we got over £12,000 between us, um, you know, producing a, a, a team or, or a tour brochure which um, we sold advertising space and produced several copies or a lot of copies and which we took out with us. And I say that that raised some money, but that really was a, a drop in the ocean that just went towards traveling costs whilst we were out there and meals after the game and little um, sort of bits and pieces that, uh, that they weren't necessarily sort of catered for beforehand. So that sort of helped us or prevented us being asked every couple of days, oh, we need another hundred dollars for this or need a bit more for that. That that did help that. And I think we were, we're due to get a, a refund of about 130 pounds uh, uh, in, in the near future. So that, that'd be nice as well. But at the end of the day, yes, we, um, we had to self fund and, uh, just glad to do it no no one at all resented it or thought it was um you know poor show and didn't want to do it we we accepted it for and and what we got back in there in return was um a a really good in return on our investments and you played three 50 over odis um where did you play you said it was very hot yeah we, we started the tour in in um in queensland uh, and um, just north of north of Brisbane, and we played the we played three warm up games there, and then we moved down and we played the first ODI actually in Brisbane itself, and um, yeah, the, the temperatures were in the um, kind of about thirty two, thirty three, and you know even the Australian guys were sort of complaining how hot it was as well. So it wasn't just us whinging about it; uh, it was seriously warm, and we. We, we picked, well, we, we, I say we, I wasn't involved in it, but the uh, selection committee, of which there were five, uh, you know, picked the side and um, I was absolutely delighted to be in it. I, I thought I'd done enough in the first sort of couple of games that I played to, to warrant selection and, and I got in and um, we uh, we didn't play that well in the first game. We really, we batted first and the, the wicket, whilst it looked an absolute belter, it was very slow and difficult and, and the Australians bowled quite well indeed and we were always 20, 30 runs short of what we should have got and um, they won sort of fairly comfortably with only about an over and a half, two overs to spare, but plenty of wickets and it was, it was a pretty comfortable win, if truth be told. And, um, you know, we, we realised we needed to, up our game for the for the second match. There were there were one or two changes made, and um, yeah, we 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 played really well. We we scored two hundred and twenty odd, I think it was. And um, again, we we bowled really tidily. I was very very satisfied with my own bowling performance. I think I took one for about sort of twenty two, twenty three, something like that in in ten overs uh, coming on as first change, and we just just strangled them just. And, and that showed very little intent to to score quickly, and we won by over a hundred runs in the end. It was it was a bit I won't say too easy, but it was a a very comprehensive victory. Yes, yeah, so did the um, the wicket suit your bowling? No, not at all. Um, it, I learned quite a bit from when I 
went out there seven years ago. Um, I, I didn't bowl well. Um, my type of bowling in in England was more sort of suited to English wickets with a little bit of movement and uh, and everything, but didn't get any out there. We played with these old kookaburra balls and the, the grounds were flat and like concrete. And they just kind of treated me sort of, not with disdain, but they scored comfortably. And I didn't get a wicket until the last game of the tour. So, you know, wasn't really worth my place in the side uh, as an all-rounder. So this year I sort of changed my... Um, changed my approach, knowing that the wickets would be the same. So I did a bit more sort of cross-seam. I just changed my um, pace a little bit more and tried to improve my accuracy. And um, for some reason, the Australians didn't want to didn't want to score runs off me. I, I, I had a sort of a, a good spare in the first game and um, they kind of just thought they'd see me off. But for some reason, I wasn't doing much with the ball. If someone would have just come down there, put their foot down the wicket and smacked me over my head a couple of times, I'd have been scratching my head wondering what to do. But but thankfully, they didn't do that. And, um, you know, I managed to sort of play in all three games and, and bowled my 10 overs each time and uh, didn't really get any uh, any stick whatsoever, which was <laughs> very, very pleasing. Well, you lost the first game by six wickets. And as you say, in the second game, you won by a, 102 runs. Uh, yeah, I'd say very comfortable. 23 for eight in the second game. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And uh, we we won the our remaining sort of tour games leading up to the the final test in um, in Melbourne. And yeah, we we realised that was you know the last game of the tour. Ashes on the line. I mean, what could be better? I mean, we we were dreading the fact that we might have been two 0 down and. You know, it would have been a really anti-climax. So, you know, we, we were really up for it. And um, there, was, there was quite a bit of nerves about, um, you know, who was going to play in the last game. You know, everyone was desperate to play. And um, the, the the management committee convened a meeting the morning before the game in the in the hotel. They wanted to have a chat with everybody. And um, it was the, well, you know... We've got hard decisions to make. Everyone's done really well. Only 12 people are going to be in the team. There's going to be some disappointments. Everyone's thinking, oh, crikey, you know, who's going to sort of suffer here? And they started to read the side out. And, yeah, I was fairly comfortable that I was going to play. Alphabetical order, you should have been at the top. Uh, yeah, I think I did it in batting order, actually, not alphabetical order. Anyway, it got it got to my name, and um, yeah, I, I I was in. But yeah, one or two, one or two of the guys who, who didn't make it, um, opening bat and opening bowler, who were who played in the first ODI and were you know for all intents and purposes nailed on for the series. They they did really well in the trial games and the and the warm ups. And um, first choice on the team list, but they didn't really perform very well during the game, and uh, you know struggled a bit. And as a result, um, they, they they didn't get in the the, the last two games, and um, it's a bit hard on them. But I, I, I guess the decisions by the uh, by the selectors were, were sort of vilified and uh, not vilified, but um, uh, justified. Yeah, yeah, that as well, even. Yeah, and um, you know we won those last two games fairly comfortably. The uh, the last game at, at, at Melbourne, we, we actually won the toss uh, and did what we don't normally do, is put the side in. There was a little bit of overcast conditions about and it promised to be hot and uh, steamy a bit later on. So um, 
ask him. I said, right, we'll, we'll bowl in these uh, cloudy conditions for a while. And um, we did. And and yet again, they, they didn't sort of, I think they were about 75 off about 30 overs and, you know, going nowhere and struggled and got 150 odd, I think, in the in the end. And, um, well, we lost a couple of early wickets. And then the two lads from, from Kent, um, Derek and, uh, and, and Swally, the skipper, just knocked off hundred and something for for the th- uh, third wicket and uh, one with about seven overs to spare, I think something like that, and uh, fairly fairly comfortable again, and um, that was it. Happy days. Well, let's hear what from one of the vanquished, uh, Paul oh, Cullen, what yeah. he had to say about the uh, the three match series. Yes, well, I, I actually wrote down my thoughts and my reflections and sent them to the national um, president. I was just absolutely in admiration of the English standard of game. It was a complete game. They had a a match plan. They had fitness. They had uh, line and length bowling, relentless line and length bowling and partnerships, Stephen. The partnerships, uh, Derek Tao, Chris Swadkin, John Hall, they never let the run rate get below 4.2. It it went to 2.6 in the first one. Uh, I think they were acclimatising in the first one. They bowled 22 wides, which is so atypical of England. Uh, 22 wides, it just doesn't happen. And uh, they lost on the strength of one innings by the captain, Tom Wood, who got 90, I think, pretty pretty near 90, but that was an aberration. The, the, the other two games were comprehensive victories, and I put it down to uh, superior uh, fitness and also a, a definite match plan. And plus the fact that you're a small country, you've got a, a very, very, um, how shall I say it, you've very got a good competition that is in radius of each other, no more games than two hours away. Our nationals and state uh, are vast distances. Like next year, it's in Perth. It's going to, you know, 10,000 10, miles from from anywhere. So um, it, it, these sort of things give England an advantage because you, know, you, you just battle hardened by the time you play ODIs, whereas um, we don't play enough. Our veterans do not play enough cricket to be at that highest level of competition in, in, in ODI internationals. So that's that's a thought. And you played in the second ODI. I did. Yes. Yeah. And how big, big a thrill is it to play for your country? Uh, it is, and uh, this was a, a bigger thrill at cap at cap number 80 for 70s. I got my first cap in 2012, 60s at uh, 44, but there's now so many more uh, people eligible for 70s. But the, th- the thrill was the same, Stephen. It was just a, it's a wonderful thing. It's an experience I'll never forget. We talked off air, uh, Nick. Uh, was there some edge, England playing against Australia, the ashes on the line? Was it different playing against Australia? Yes, it, it was a bit different. We're all very conscious of the history of England, England v Australia, whether it's the you know, the main sort of first class test side or, or whether it's us old uh, 
duffers playing. There's there's still a, an intent and a, a, a want to do well, and uh, especially in the touring side. It, I think I might have mentioned earlier we're we're t- quite a tight group. And we, we we really wanted to do this, and um, yeah. On the other hand, I know that the Australians, and I'm sure Paul will say the same thing, that um, they they were dead keen for it as well. It was their their home uh, their home series. I think they held the Ashes and had done sort of all, all during COVID. So you know th- they were keen to win it again on their home uh, on their home territory. And um, yeah, it was yeah. There, there's a real a real desire amongst our guys to to do well and um and we did it it was a good a good spirit between the the players it was it was excellent you know both on and uh, and off the pitch there, there was a lot of respect there but you know it's played hard i mean the the Aussie skipper tom wood really good player but he wasn't a walker two or three times during the, the not just the series but he played one or two of the warm up games as well he nicked off big time and didn't walk and the umpire apparently didn't hear it and um you know, just sort of carried on. And, you know, we were talking after the game and he made no bones about it. He said, yeah, of course I touched it. He said, but that's what the umpire's for. You know, I'm not going to do his job for him. And you think, fair enough, that's where you are. You know, and uh, you have to accept that. But uh, there was a little bit of karma in there, Stephen, in, in that um, in one of the, the warm-up games between the first and second tests, Tom was opening the batting. And... Um, as I said, he he nicked off big time and um, wasn't given, and we, we couldn't believe it. About three balls later, he went to play a shot and pulled his groin rather badly. Had to go off the pitch. Didn't play again in the in the um, in the match, and only about five days away from the, from the second test. And we all thought that was his race run, but uh, no. Tom turned up. He went out and, and batted the next uh, in the next test, and. He, he wasn't fit, far from it. He, he struggled in the field and uh, he got 20-odd got in quite a long time, And uh, but he was really struggling. And um, come the last game, he, uh, he he opened again, was really struggling and he was pulling up with his uh, with his groin and we thought, well, you know, whatever happens here, we said, we, he's not going to have a runner. You know, he's not, it's, he's coming to the game with a, an injury and... I think that's what the stipulation is these days. You, you can have a runner if you do a, an injury during the game. Anyway, after about 15, 20 overs, this, a runner walked out to bat. And uh, we looked at one another and said, well, hang on a sec, you know, he can't be doing that. And um, so the skipper went up and uh, had a word with the, with the umpires, and there was a bit of a conflab. And uh, Tom had convinced the... Uh, the umpires, rightly or wrongly, I don't know, but he wasn't his groin. He'd pulled the other groin, not that one. <laughs> and so he'd be entitled to a runner. And we're thinking, well, hang on. The only reason he's pulled the other groin, if it was the other groin, is that he's been carrying this injury and, and, and running on one leg. And, of course, the other leg's going to sort of um, complain and, uh, uh, and give way. But, hey-ho, he, um, it didn't it didn't make much difference. He was out in the next over and... Um, that that was that, but yeah, you know, just just little things like that meant that um, you know they were they they were dead up for it and uh, wanted to to win desperately and um, you know it uh, it worked out okay in the end for us anyway. Well, let's hear you mention him. Let's hear what Paul had to say about uh, playing against England in an Ashes series. 
you know, we're pretty competitive against New Zealand, but it's like playing your cousin. Uh, but when you play England, it's like knocking off your big brother. You want to beat your big brother, want to rough him up a bit. Uh, you know, you're the benchmark, and we, we, yes, we do, we do want to beat you absolutely. On the tour, you also met uh, former Australian Test opener of the 1970s and 1980s, Rick McCosker, at one of the games. Yes, indeed, it was it was at Newcastle, and um, both the teams were um, uh, it'd been arranged to have a an evening at a, at a local pub all get together the day before the game, have a meal and um, make a bit of an occasion of it. And um, that was where I met Paul for the first time. I hadn't, hadn't seen him for a, a number of years. And he, Paul came up to me and we had, had a nice chat just for a, for a moment. I, I, I couldn't place him. And uh, he said, oh, hello, Nick. Good to see you. And I think, oh. And then, of course, it, uh, the, the penny dropped and um, we, uh, we sort of carried on again. And uh, anyway, when we got there at the at the pub, we we, we came off the bus and went in there and started mingling with some of the opposition who we didn't really know. I, Paul wasn't amongst them at the time, but there were two or three guys said, oh, yeah, come and have a chat. Oh, I'm, I'm Ray, this is Don, this is Rick, blah, 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 and chatting away. And I had no idea it was Rick McCosker at the time. It was just that when we we, we sat down and had a meal and we, we sat on the same table as them and we're, we're having a bit of a chat and, and someone said to me, you see, you, you know that's Rick McCosker, Nick, don't you? I said, oh, blimey. I said, it's Rick McCosker. Is that? Is that? I said in a bit of a loud voice. I said, "Is that the guy who had a, like a nappy wrapped round his face when he got sort of his jaw broken by Bob Willis?" And kind of, uh, um, he heard that and sort of, and we had a little bit of a, a, a laugh about it, and uh, uh, just just carried on and um, did a little bit of uh, Anglo-Australian joshing as as you tend to do, and he he took it really well, and it was a. Uh, a, a nice evening and it, it, he, he was very hospitable and very generous with his time and he he sort of came to the game uh, came to the ODI uh, a few days later and uh, I think he made some presentations bef- beforehand as well which was which was fantastic and it was uh, it was a pleasure to have met the guy well I had the great pleasure of speaking to Rick on this podcast on two or three occasions and uh, this is what Paul also had to say about meeting the famous Australian Open of the 1970s and 1980s. Rick uh, came along and presented the baggy blues to the New South Wales side, which was an honour in itself, and then stayed to talk to um, the England players. And uh, it was a big thrill for them to, to meet this uh, this grand man who'd held up England in that centenary test and such a humble fellow, um, does great work with the disadvantaged in Newcastle and just he's, he's got a very good life balance. He's, he's, he's been a great of cricket, but he's, he's a human being of the highest calibre. That's all I can say. And in August this year, the Australians are, are back in England to try and win back those ashes. Uh, what do you think their chances of winning them back are? Nil. Well, no, I'm a bit of bravado there, but I'd like to think that at, at home, with with possibly a stronger, slightly stronger side um, than we than we took to Australia, that um, we've got the well, we've got the Ashes at the moment, and, and we want to hang on to them, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll be sort of going hell for leather to do that in the summer. 
you must be looking forward to it. Where, where are the games being played? I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I haven't seen the itinerary, uh, sort of Stephen, but I believe they're um, sort of regional. Then I think one in the north, there's going to be one sort of Midlands and one in the sort of southwest area. So to give perhaps one or two people, a, you know, a chance to play in their regions rather than um, have to have a, a lot of travelling, which is what some of the poor Australian guys had to do in our series. You know, they think nothing of driving five or six hours for the game, which, um, you know, wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea, but they were only too happy to have done it, of course. But uh, getting back to this summer, I think uh, I think it'll be, be a good series. I feel, I feel sure that they're going to be a bit stronger as well because there might be... Um, one or two, uh, one or two new faces after after a home defeat. I'm I'm sure that'll uh, that'll happen, and um, you know they'll be as keen and as eager as ever. But uh, so will we. Well, Paul hopes to be there, and and this is what he had to say about Ashes 2023 in England. We've got to do some things better. We've got to get ourselves fitter. There were niggling injuries uh, in um, games two and three. People were carrying injuries and it told in the end. Um, and I feel that we've got to have more competitive um, uh, national titles where our Division One, when we compete, Victoria plays New South Wales, plays Queensland particularly, where it's uh, modelled on an ODI, uh, where, you know, unlimited batting, like the ODIs are played, where you... You, mo- you model your um, Division One on a, a future ODI so that we're better prepared for those match conditions over 50 overs and the fact that uh, we just can't afford to uh, bowl one bad ball and over. It's that, it's that close. Uh, England do the little things so brilliantly well and that's, that makes all the difference in a, a series. And are you hoping to be there yourself? Uh, yes, I am. Um, I, th- I think I've got something to offer and um, fitness, let alone fitness, but I think I've got uh, a desire uh, a desire to win those back. I, I didn't like the way it ended. I didn't like any team winning by eight wickets, Stephen. It wasn't um, something that's uh, not preferable. Yeah, so, yes, I am hopeful. I spoke to Paul and posed him the question, what's Nick like? Now, you'll hear that shortly, but yeah. what's Paul like, Nick? Oh, he's a really, really, really nice guy. Generous, um, you know, very, very, very personable and uh, the kind of guy you like to play cricket with, really. It embodies the mateship of um, playing England and Australia. He's as uh, tough as anyone on the pitch and wants to do really well. But afterwards, he'd be the first guy to buy you a drink and introduce you to his wife. And she was charming as well. Kim, lovely, lovely lady. And, um, yeah, really enjoyed meeting him again and uh, and catching up. It was a yeah, absolute pleasure on and off the pitch. He asked me to ask you why do you think that his John Arlott impersonation, the famous commentator, was rubbish? Well, for starters, no one quite knew that he was trying to imitate John Arlott. And um, the second was that it was rubbish. Well, that's put him in his place. And, and this is what he had to say. What was Nick like? <laughs> yes. Look, he's, 
he's a laugh. He, he's um, I first met him in 2012 when we played at Lutterworth in Lincolnshire. Uh, he got me out, in fact. He got, had me stumped. You haven't forgotten. And, uh, he's for, he, he had forgotten, and I've never forgotten. It, but uh, we had a good yarn at the, at the lunch break and uh, got to know him pretty well. And then he came back in 2019, I think, for a, um, for a tour. I played him in Canberra. Uh, and uh, and then this one, it was really good to see him again. And he um, he, he and I share a love of the English comedian Tommy Cooper. We're both great fans of it. He's our favourite comic. And <laughs> most of the evening at Coogee when we had the dinner after the game was doing comedy routines and um, much of the chagrin of our wives. I don't know that they were so amused. But he's a he's a terrible heckler as well. I um I was doing my speech as MC that night, and I was doing a John Arlott impersonation. It was we talked before about that match at nineteen seventy two with Bob Massey. I did that commentary, that John Arlott commentary from Manchester, and um, my wife at the end said to Nick, um, "What do you think of that?" And he went, "It's rubbish." <laughs> so. So uh, no, I wasn't. I think it's a bit harsh, a bit bit harsh for a guest. <laughs> but he's a great he's a great fellow, and and he, he he's the type of uh, bloke that you need on tour. You know, he's a very skilled cricketer, uh, but he's so sociable and he's he's always up, and uh, you need that over a long tour. And I guess yes. that's what over seventies cricket or seniors cricket is all about. Yes, it is. It's the friendships as well as the competition, of course. Yes, and he, I met his wife Sally for the first time this time, and uh, that was good. That's good. I've got one question actually from a friend of ours, Pat Ringham, the chairman, fixture secretary, and manager of the Cams and Hunts Over Seventies team. He seemed to do everything for the Over Seventies, and uh, he asked me to ask you. Did you say let's get busy to other batsmen when you were batting? No, I, I didn't. Um, I reserve that uh, particular comment for when I'm batting with Pat because most of the guys I batted with uh, in Australia were sort of very up to speed and were, were able to get busy and, and, and get the scoreboard moving pretty quickly. It's just that when I bat with Pat, I just have to remind him that we're not playing in a test match and uh, we need to score fairly quickly. Oh, that certainly put Pat in his place. But we've got to mention for the the chairman, the fixture secretary and the manager, he does an awful lot for Cambridgeshire and Huntingdonshire cricket, though. Pat is an absolute absolute legend. And uh, I don't think we we wouldn't have a sort of 60s and 70s side, but for his uh, administration and all, all the hard work he does, which probably goes unappreciated by a lot of people. But, um, you know, he's an absolute, uh, absolute legend, is Pat. And, um, you know, I've got... Got utmost respect for the guy uh, deep down. To end the show, though, you must be delighted to have won the Ashes in Australia and to have toured Australia. That the camaraderie and the, and the and going on tour must have been fantastic. As I say, probably the, the one of the high, high spots of my in, in, entire life, Stephen. It was it was fantastic. Um, loved every minute of it. Uh, loved every, every aspect of it. Even the the long travels on the on the coach, which were a little bit daunting at times, but you know 
happy days and wouldn't have missed it for the world. And uh, oh, just just so lucky that you know I've been in the right place at the right time to be able to take advantage of uh, of these kind of opportunities, which uh, you know I'm very proud of now, and I'm sure I will be when I look back uh, at, at uh, when I finally uh, call time on my career. But uh, just can I just briefly add up to that a little bit, Stephen? Certainly. Yeah, we were. Um, I think before the second ODI, we had a had a game at a place called Tamworth. We didn't actually play it in in the end. The, the, we got rained off, and um, beforehand there was there was a social, and uh, there, there was meant to be a T Twenty game going on in the morning, not involving us. And then we were playing a, a day nighter in the in the afternoon, and in the um, in the T20 game that preceded our game was going to be a guy who was playing for the um, uh, the New South Wales side. Doug, I, I forget what his second name was. Doug, and he's he's ninety three years old. And when someone told me about, it, I said, "You're joking." Ninety three? No, yeah. He said, uh, "Come and meet him. He's just over here." So wow. So I had a word with two or three of the guys, and we went round and had a chat with this guy, Doug. Lo- lovely bloke. He was, you know full of it and looking forward to playing the next day and you know I was quite in awe I said Doug you're 23 years older than me and I think I've probably been playing 20 years too old and he said no I'll keep on he said uh, I don't drink too much he said I don't smoke and uh, I just sort of get on with it I said, and I said to him um, I said Doug 93 I said just out of interest what's the highest score that you've made since you turned 90 and he said, oh, I got 96, he said, but no one told me I was on 96 and I got out to a bad shot. I was furious. I was at 96 when you're not. I just, you know, mind boggling that someone at that age can still sort of get by. And we were all looking forward to seeing him play the next day. But sadly, um, the, the, the rain intervened. But uh, wow, that was an experience, I must confess. Well, you've got years to go now. Then um, there's not a, an England over eighties team, but there's a, <laughs> no. there's a chance for you there. Um, <laughs> no, uh, keep fit. Thank you very much for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion, and keep those ashes when the Australians come over here in August 2023. Certainly will, Stephen. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for listening to the paddock and the pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the pad and pad don't forget if you like the show please do leave us a rating and review sports social podcast network with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details